Hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. He's Ramon and we are brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market where 24-7 they're serving hot, fresh food. Don't think of it as a gas station or a convenience store. It's good food here. Moan, what's going on? Where are you? You look like you're on the road. Man, I'm in South Carolina at a baseball camp. I was about to say football. No, no, no. I'm not at a football camp. My kids got a baseball game in South Carolina or a baseball tournament, and we're here supporting him. Work on the road, DK. That's what dads and adults do, right? (laughs) It's it's what baseball dads do. That's how it goes. (laughs) You go where the action is. You go where the competition is. That's exactly how it works. That's exactly how it works. I'm looking forward to it, though. We start play here in a little bit, so I'm excited to watch them. The Pittsburgh Steelers are opening training camp, Moan, and they're doing so with stunningly low expectations. Not sure how else to phrase that, uh, but you know we're going to cover that today. We're also going to cover your breakdown of the Steelers' likely starting offensive line. And then in the slice of life with Ramon, we're going to talk uh, about a certain head coach reaching out to you. Uh recently just to touch base and and how much that means to you as a professional athlete but let's start with uh the Steelers opening camp with moan some expectations people have them almost universally in third place but some have them in fourth behind the Bengals what's going on DK um one thing I've learned in my short sports media world uh career is in the offseason there's a season of lies there's a season of lists, and that's just a season of assumptions, okay? And all of it is for content. And that gets us talking. Um, for for the people that got them in fourth place, they, they just want traffic. I, I, I think I don't think they really thought it through because if you tell me that Cincinnati's offensive line is solid and Joe Burrow is better than Ben, you're going to have to prove a whole lot to me. I, I, I like what they're trying to do, but I need something more than just their, their new uniforms that they're trying to put out there, okay? <laughs> uh, the, the, the realistic take for me is honestly to say, hey, it's a three-man race in the AFC North. That's Baltimore, that's Cleveland, that's Pittsburgh, in no particular order, and they're just going to have to battle it out. Um, one thing for uh, – so, I, of course, I host the radio show in Nashville. And on uh, our show, we had uh, Aaron Schatz. I think is how you say his name, is Football Outsiders. And Ooh. one of the things that he's – yes, Aaron Schatz, you, you know who he is. And it's a I, lot I know who he is. Too. Yeah, and I can say – that football outsiders, sometimes people get these things confused. Football outsiders, they lump it in with pro football focus. Pro football focus, regardless of what you think of them, and we all know what Ramon thinks of them, is a is a football film breakdown grading thing, okay? Football outsiders is different. Football outsiders doesn't pretend to know anything that's going on on a the field. They're literally just taking numbers. They're taking yeah. data and crunching it. That's it. Yeah, so uh, my, my co-host asked the question um, about – Jason Martin is my co-host. And I asked the question about, you know, how does he view Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers? And his response was, I view them being better than everybody else have them being this year. Hmm. As far as Ben's play, as far as the Steelers as a team, he's like, you got to look at the history of this team. They never do bad. They might have a bad spell or two, but they never do bad. And he was like, I, I don't know where he's going to place – 
the Steelers as far as their finish because he didn't really just say that because he wants you to go read the football outside his almanac. Um, but <laughs> it, it goes into him saying that this team is solid. But on the uh, flip side of that, and I think you know this like everybody else, every every analytics team or community or company has a uh, a high praise for Baltimore. Now, I'm not sure what, what Baltimore does, but I know this. Lamar is electric on the field. At any point in time, he can go make a play. And the other part that he did kind of divulge, though, is their special teams. They're always a special teams. Uh, just you got to go through the gauntlet when you play Baltimore, and they, they make plays that way. Um, what I'm looking for from the Steelers is them to compete and put themselves in position to finish better than what everybody else says. Now, whether that's one or two, I think you could have two teams from the AFC North make the playoffs. Maybe three, depending on what other um, other conferences do. I think the AFC South is pretty so- – I don't think it's as good as the North because I covered them, and I don't know what Carson Wentz going to do in Indy. But I see two, maybe three teams coming out of the AFC North when it comes down to playoffs. I see this team definitely above 500. It's just a matter of how can they close out those games because they're going to have uh, to play some really good talent this year when it, when it breaks down yeah. to them winning the AFC North last year. Yeah, it's the, the challenge is definitely there in front of this team. Um, on a lot of fronts, uh, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna get to the, the the main front in our second segment today. That meaning the offensive line. But yeah. when, as I look at the Steelers relative to the rest of these teams, just again staying within the North, what I ask myself is this: Look at the elite talent mm-hmm. that was on this team and remains on this team. Look what was lost, principally Bud Dupree. And I say this respectfully, Mike Hilton uh, to to the Bengals. But I don't look at those two pieces, especially since they've been replaced by Cam Sutton and Alex Highsmith Highsmith at at the right edge. I don't say, oh, no, it's falling apart. And and then you add Najee Harris to address the one ugliest weakness of this football team emphatically and you and then from there you're just saying ah they stink yeah i'm not i'm not connecting the dots here i know that sounds homerish okay but but i I don't care it just it doesn't make sense to me like uh, and this is the thing and i i know i've said this on on DK Pittsburgh Sports, and I know I've said this almost everywhere. It's some teams that reload, and it's some teams that rebuild. Pittsburgh is a team, man, that 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 reloads. Like you said, okay, Bud is gone, but you look at Alex Highsmith, and um, and 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 I don't want to give too much because our, our slice of life. I, I want to give a, a piece of the conversation we had about what's the process. But I know this: Pittsburgh has a knack of finding guys or getting the right guys for the situation. The signing of Melvin Ingram, which we didn't bring up just yet. Like, yeah, you miss Bud, and Bud counts a lot, but you have to what, – what they realize, they got to go get two people to replace what his production potentially was. Melvin Ingram is still a guy that has a lot of good ball in him. I, I think we got to get past looking past the 30-year-old saying he's washed up. I think the athlete is different. Guys train year-round now, and barring an injury, um, you're going to get a lot out of Melvin Ingram. And on top of that, if you don't, I think what you find in Alex Highsmith, man, is going to be something that's 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 very um, Lamar Woodley is. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like that comparison with him because he fits that mold a little bit. And when you're in Pittsburgh and you're trying to find a replacement for a position, the one thing they've been consistent with, whether they made it to a second contract or not, has been the ability to find an outside rusher. Jarvis Jones even still did well. Jason Worlds basically walked away from the game on his own accord after he got his tender. So you can't say that they didn't find the right guy or guys, i.e. Alex Highsmith, Melvin Ingram, to caveat what that offense is still bringing back. Yeah, I'm not sure I would have thrown Jarvis into that pool. I, I, I loved him, <laughs> but... <laughs> if you miss on one, that's still better than probably it is. 50% of the league. Yeah, I, I it, it, and sometimes, as, as Jason World showed, it takes a little longer or it takes being put in the right spot. Uh, we actually saw some of that with Bud. He was being used on the wrong side for a long time. And, and once you put Bud where it was that he was most comfortable, he was impactful. Alex Highsmith is already starting out on his right side. I think he's going to be fine. And now you add Melvin Ingram to the mix. You've got yourself edge rushers there, uh, including edge rushing depth. And again, Moan, this is principally what we're talking about. And well, actually, no. Actually, no, it's not. What we're going to do in our next segment is going to really, really design and possibly decide and possibly define the 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers when we come back. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. Uh, Moan, we can get into this and that and edge rusher and secondary and quarterback and wide receiver and Najee at running back. The fact of the matter is, and I'm saying this talking to an offensive lineman, so I'm preaching to the choir, but for this football team, this football team, this gets decided right down there on the O-line, doesn't it? It does. Um, This is going to be a big test for those guys. They're at a reset as far as building up what they want to be as an offensive line unit. And this is the thing, too. Don't expect them to be like us. We were different from Willie, Max, Trey, uh, uh, Chris Kimoatu, uh, Jeff Hartwig, we were different from that group. My era from, let's say, 2009 to 2019. So this group from 2021 on up, they're going to be different also. And in that, they're going to have to grow. They're going to have to find what works for them. And it, it may be a little bit of trial by fire, but I think they they got a guy in that room that can lead them, and that's uh, Coach Clem. Yeah, that's that's well. Let's do this. Let's do this. Instead of just saying, which is what again we're talking about these analysis and these forecasts that we see everywhere. They just say offensive line lost this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Therefore, offensive line will stink. Let's instead look at these individuals as individuals and see what okay. it is that we can come up with. Go left to right here. Likely starters here. Let's start with Chooks Okorafor, presuming that Chooks is going to be on the left side because mm-hmm. that's the last we heard is that that's the way that they'd line up. What do you think? From my understanding, he's going to be on the left side because that's where he's naturally good at. Um, breakdown of Chooks, smart guy, quiet guy, just wants to play ball, okay? Um, athletic gifts out of this world i think the route in which he came up to where early on i ain't gonna lie in our room coach was hard on him we were hard on him and i think that's built him up the way he is now the way he's out to prove something um watching him develop himself um 
take his body underneath them and, and just grow and lean out and, and be the guy. I can see him being the starting left tackle for this team, barring anything crazy. He has the ability. I don't care if he came from a small school or not. He has the ability. He has the, 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 the athleticism, and he also has the smarts too. Will it be perfect? No, because he's still young. But I'll just drop this. Money's on the line this year, DK. This is a contract year for a guy like that, and I think you're going to see him take a step in the right direction. Him being at left, it, it, it gives me good comfort. Well, when you're talking about money and you're talking about the offensive line, uh, you are talking about left tackle. So the opportunity is there in front of Chooks as well. You like you like him too. I know you do. I do because yeah. you know why? Chooks is not a guy that's afraid to, to reach out. Mm-hmm. He and I communicate a lot. And I'm not saying I'm no guru, no genius, but when you reach out to people that's been in front of you or been in similar situations, you, you want to get better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm with that. That's it. Let's let's switch instead all the way over to the right side to the other tackle, Zach Banner, who's also kind of a quiet sort, kind of keeps to himself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't even get through the sentence. no Zach um he's a lot man he's a big man I think as much as he wanted to play left right is appropriate for him um and because his size he reminds me of like Jack Conklin was drafted in the first round for the Titans and the only reason I remember because we used to watch him a whole lot not because I covered him but he would have probably elected to play left but it's smart enough to move him to a right tackle position to keep him um, a run-heavy side, being able to, hey, if his footwork is not as great as Chooks, then that's okay because it's not the blind side. Zach plays with aggressive demeanor, and I think that's a beautiful place to put him. I think that's the difference in why Chooks went to the left and he went to the right. It's just footwork. A, the edge and, a, and athleticism. And Zach is a big dancing bear. He's going to get it done. And I'll say this too, just aside from the fact, Zach has put himself up against the wall a little bit with social media, with just him being vocal. And you know how Pittsburgh doesn't forget anything. If you're going to be the guy that's going to be on the front of, let's say, all things that's in the news, when it comes down to the game, you better show up and you prove. You better perform. And you know what? He knows that. And he, he knows and I, that. I think he's comfortable with that. Uncomfortable. Moan, we were at uh, – I don't even know if I told you about this, but we're at uh, minicamp, and you know he's still not participating in full drills at the time, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And he's walking – every time he'd walk past where we were, the reporters, he'd look up and say, question mark, huh? Question mark. Because somebody up there – I don't even know who. It wasn't me. I, I wouldn't care if it was. Yeah. But he was saying question mark because I guess somebody referred to him as a question mark. And again, you know his spirit is such mm-hmm. that he's not being mean. He's having fun with you. Yeah. Uh, whereas if it was James Harrison, it'd be like question mark, huh? <laughs> you better make sure your tires aren't on flat. It's in your car. Um, to that point, I think he's going to be fine. If he's in a box, I'll say this. He's not afraid to reach out either and be like, hey, Mon, what do I do in this situation? That's the beauty of, of having relationships with those guys and just trying to help them grow as pros, man. Zach has done a lot as far as his off-the-field stuff. Now I think we'll see him shut up and play. If he has a bad day or, or bad whatever, um, my, my, me seeing him respond to that is going to be very interesting, man, because, again, he's taking on – all of everything social yep. media to a point 
and that's fine because all guys do these days. Yeah, you just don't I, see yeah. linemen do it. But we also <laughs> saw Zach last year, uh, you know, in entering training camp. He he tuned out the social. Yeah. He, he focused in on literally winning the job, which he did by beating out Chooks at right tackle. He but did He did damn good, too. And he did it against T.J. Watt, and the two of them were ripping each other's hair out by the end of it. Let's go to the inside. That's a, This is, a, in, in my mind, a lot murkier. Um, on the left side, your old spot, we've got Kevin Dotson. Um, he had the, the five starts last year in place of Matt Filer, uh, played – very aggressively, uh, I, I thought was especially effective on the run block, and in a way stood out at times yeah. because of that aggressiveness. Contrasted to some of the other guys that were there that weren't getting as much of a push. Yeah, he's got some questions around him, and I think his questions are simply just him being a young guy. Like you said, he got a chance to wait his beak a little bit last year, and it'll be interesting to see his growth. I know he's feel like he has to take on this challenge in his offseason to show that he belongs, and I think that's a good place to be. It's always got to be that one guy that say, hey, notice me. And I don't know. I know he don't say a whole lot, but it'll be good to see his growth. Um, he's essentially with a non-communicator guy on the left side of the line of scrimmage. So the way they go about their game plan as far as who's doing what and making sure they're on the same page is going to be very, very crucial. Clem has got to be on top of him probably more than Chooks because Chooks knows what to do. It's a matter of making sure that they're on the same page of getting the job done. I like him. He's a strong guy. He shows that he likes to play with a chip on his shoulder. And he's a guy that's small school that has to show that he belongs. Um, it's very interesting to see what he's going to be. I, I, I saw he showed up to camp with a Jerome Bettis jersey on. Um, <laughs> that's a good, good, a good, good homage to pay right there. Simply because I don't know, he's saying, "Hey, watch us dominate the run game," or just I know he he grew up as a uh, a Steelers fan as a kid, so he reminds me a little bit of uh, the attitude that BJ Finney kind of had to where well, <laughs> yeah. um, you you know he's a fan. And now he's living out his dream. The mm -hmm. thing that he's got to realize, living out that dream also comes with uh, producing on the field. Um, from my understanding, I, I, I think he's going to be fine. But it's a matter of, of keeping um, his, his focus on the field. And I've never seen that be an issue. But when you get more playing time, DK, things seem to change a little bit. It's as good a time as any to point out that absolutely none, zero, of these positions, starting positions, are in cement. Uh, the head coach no. has made that clear to all of the participants. The head coach has made that clear to the positional coach, Adrian Clem. And by the way, he's made it clear to us in the media. Um, <laughs> so that means anything goes here. It doesn't mean some guys aren't favored. The guys that we talked about almost certainly are going to be the left and right tackles. But none of that's been ordained, uh, including left guard, which is you mentioned, BJ. It's a good time to go to him. Uh, this is a guy you know very well. He's he had at mm. times to to take your place. Uh, he had at times to to take Marquise Pouncey's place right next to you. Uh, what kind of a football player is this? And he, is he the type to say, "Hey, I'm the backup. Everybody, don't mind me." No, he's not that type. He's not that type at all. Um, he's a fighter. Um, the thing that BJ has going against him that other guys got is his athletic ability. Um, if, if, if those guys 
in front of what he's competing with, put the athletic ability on display, then he might get edged out. I think he still makes the team, but if we're saying Dotson is younger and uh, he's more athletic and he moved better, his pass pro is good, and he's working well with Chooks, then it's going to be him at left guard. The thing is this, BJ is that veteran voice you need in the room, aside from Zach Banner. Um, but in all of my career, I'll say this. Um, my idea of me... Uh, with him behind me made me fight a whole lot harder because I knew if given opportunity, BJ is going to take advantage. And he's going to do that every single day. He's a lunch pail type of guy. It's good to have him, whether he's your starter or whether he's your your backup. I think he's a better guard than he is center. So if he's competing with Dotson, if Dotson doesn't come to work every single day, I can see BJ at left guard. Right guard is going to be Trey Turner. I mean, again, none of this stuff's been declared, but right. there, there are no other right guards. <laughs> no, when you when, when you give a, when you sign a guy and you give him playing incentives, that means he's probably going to play. Okay, he's playing, and he has no one else. I mean, since Dave Castro uh, was was released, you have Turner there. Turner's coming off of a season that he, he himself would acknowledge did not go well at all for him. Uh, injury-wise, performance-wise. Of course, those two things can be related. Uh, What do you know about Trey Turner and specifically how he might fit with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, coming from where he's coming from, um, let's, let's go Carolina. They are. They were a run-heavy team. They had yes. a running quarterback behind them. They moved the pocket. Um, Christian McCaffrey and, yeah, Christian the whole McCaffrey. deal. So this fits his mold. It may be a different look from what we're used to, but this is now the look of the Pittsburgh Steelers, according from what everybody's saying Matt Canada is going to do. Yep. They're going to move the pocket. The thing I knew about Trey, he's a mobile type of guard. He can move left. He can move right. Um, moving the pocket as far as pass pro setup. This is his forte. I feel like you're putting him in the offense that that's uh, circle 2015 Carolina Panthers almost. Okay. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So he fits yeah. what's moving forward. That's the way I view him. Again, I, I mentioned the scouting department of the Pittsburgh Steelers an opportunity for savvy veterans. Trey's not a young guy. Uh, he's been around the block a little bit. He's a pro bowler. And Pittsburgh's got a way the same way they did with Melvin Ingram of putting guys in the right position to get the max out of them. You got a veteran quarterback in Ben. You got a new young running back. And you got some savvy wide receivers out front. If anything, he I feel like he might have to be the guy to lead by example in that room. BJ's been there the longest tentatively but he's the guy with the most experience and so it's going to be interesting to see how he does i've heard some stuff about him and talking to some guys in the room and it was like yeah he's going to be all right from what they know about him so i, I he's not david and david's not him they both got hey hardware and and and, and praise amongst everybody else in the mm-hmm. league so i just think if you want to say a perfect fit best signing it might be him Okay. Well, here's the toughest one. Um, It's center. Now, Kendrick Green, the third-round pick, can come in and, I believe, seize this job. Uh, I I, I don't feel like he comes in as a dark horse or an underdog or anything like that. Uh, He was not drafted to sit or to learn. He was drafted to to play football. Uh, They didn't let him just grab 53 for crying out loud, and to, to, to go play center and to take a back seat to BJ. So, my goodness, Moan, what's, what's the scope of the hill he has to climb? 
to pull that off because we I'll saw it. You saw it with Marquise. It's not easy, mm-hmm. you know. But it, no. Marquise made it look easy. But <laughs> yeah, he's he's got his hands full. Uh, one having a, a, a super savvy veteran quarterback like Ben does help out. I know he's going to help him along. From my understanding, they're very like-minded between uh, Marquise and, and, and Kendrick Green. Very like-minded in a lot of different ways. They have this this fighter mentality. They have this, let me show you how, how athletic I am by just simply doing my job. Um, I'll say this, we can't sit in the box and try to compare him to the old 53, but we got to find a way to say, hey, let this kid do his thing. Like you said, they didn't draft him to sit. You don't get 53 just to sit, okay? Um, if, if if there was something cool to happen in Pittsburgh, if they didn't want to retire Marquise's number, the next guy in line gets 53. I think that would be really, really cool. And in saying that, he's day one starter to me. Okay. All I've heard about him is you're going to like what you see. when he put, If he puts the pads on, and Cam is going to get him because Cam is a prick, okay? But he's gonna <laughs> say that with all due respect. We're gonna tag this show at Cam Hayward. Here it yeah. comes. And Cam know what I mean by that. The same way I called out Vinny, man. Cam and I had battles, but I make but Cam helped make me better, and he helped uh, and I helped make him better. And that's the beauty of the way Coach Tomlin his staff do camp. Young guy, you wanna earn it? Hey, not meet Latrobe, but here on the south side. Let's go. Cam, line him up. A uh, Tyson. Line him up to it. Line him up. Name me three better interior linemen than him other than Aaron Donald. Uh, I, I know that that group is number one in the NFL. Thank you. So, and I say Cam is a prick because Cam is going to show him, hey, look, this is what you're going against. Tyson's going to do the same thing with that side-to-side swim move that he does. He don't understand what he's getting himself into. But, and I mean Kevin Green doesn't understand just yet. Mm-hmm. But... No, not Kendrick Green, not Kendrick Green. Yeah. Uh, if he answers the call, he's day one. Even if he doesn't answer the call, is he going to see that type of group moving forward? He might see one. But mm-hmm. those guys, when it comes to one-on-ones, if Cam is still doing those, um, he's going to get a, the best work in the world, and I mean that. So even if he has a bad day at the office, I'm putting him in as, as C1, center one. When we come back, a slice of life with Ramon and a f- regarding a phone call, and you won't want to miss this one. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. This is always our slice of life with Ramon segment. And when players retire, or sometimes just when they're traded, uh, there there can be all kinds of confusion or feeling of hey did they really value me there did they really uh, I, I know I talked to Marcus Gilbert a lot after he went to the Arizona Cardinals uh, we communicated a lot uh, and he had some of those feelings like you know I'm, I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler you know yeah. uh, this this is who I am this is what I was fighting for for all this time and now all of a sudden I'm not um, you got you got a, a phone call from a certain head coach the other day that just came out of the blue. I did, man. And to Gil's point and what your statements earlier, that's so true. You don't want to feel like the balled up piece of paper that's thrown yeah. into the trash can in the corner. And you miss the shot. <laughs> you don't even get a, hey, you don't, you, you, you you don't want that. And as, 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 as 
boastful as football players, as confident as pros are in general, you want the feeling of appreciation, especially in football, because it's just so doggone much. I literally put my body on the line for you. And and last Thursday, I got a phone call out of the blue. I was on the phone with my wife. I was like, hey, hey, baby, baby I got to call. I got to call you back. Uh, Coach C's on, on the other end. And she's like, oh, Lord. I was like, oh, that's probably nothing bad. She's thinking Mike Tomlin wants to hire my husband back. What's going on here? <laughs> probably. So we get on the phone, and I'm like, Coach T, he's like, moan. And I'm like, oh, this is a good call right here. Then. Uh, that's a good one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, we get on the call. Number one, we hadn't. Uh, I've texted him here and there. He said something. We're in the same fraternity, so we send each other Happy Founders Day and stuff like that. But we hadn't had a phone call, phone call. And we sat on the phone for about 40, 45 minutes, maybe close to an hour, just conversating. Wow. And, and DK, he didn't have to do it. And, and, and it wasn't, you know, something that all coaches probably do. And especially from an undrafted guy that had no Pro Bowls, no Super Bowls, no any of that type of stuff, man. You want to talk about fill you up it was it was a real good feeling dk of of appreciation and we talked about all things from um my boys to um football to just life in general about stuff that's happening around the league it was just a phone call and and when I, i i go vouch for coach t it's because of those reasons coaches don't do that. We heard guys talk about Andy Reid and how he's treated his former players. Like when you have those type of coaches, whether you you say, well, you come up short in the Super Bowl and we hadn't had a Lombardi, like that's fine. And I think we need to realize that's a hard task to do. And maybe mm-hmm. we did come up short, DK, but there is a goat that's still playing right now that kind of put a a a, a, a friggin' uh, a, a breaker. <laughs> The guy in Tampa, yeah. And Tampa, who's put a friggin' speed bump in front of everybody's uh, chase for the Lombardi Trophy, man. And you just got to kind of tip your head and say, they just got us. But I'll say this. If you guys ever feeling like you want to get rid of Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, do it. But there will be probably 20 other teams lining up to get a guy like him in their building, man, simply because of those relationships and when, when I tell you, man, when you get the Tomlinisms and the way he talked to you, one, like a man, and then the expectations of you for your job, not for his sake, but for your sake, that's why guys are willing to run through a wall for him. Or say, it ain't many that can say something bad about him. Um, yeah, that's the part that jumps out here, Ramon, of, of this story here. Regardless, and I, I know you know you've told me off camera, you guys talked about, you know, you talked about football, you talked about certain players, things that he needs help with, things that he wants your advice for. Um, he doesn't have to do that. No. He's, he's been in the league with this team for more than a decade. He has maybe the most secure job of any coach in the NFL, aside from the guy in Foxborough, uh, and, and maybe the guy in Kansas City. I don't know, probably even more than him. But he doesn't have to do that. He's not no. doing it to curry favor. He's not doing it for certainly, my goodness, for the publicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he. It has to be understood whenever we're talking about things like the Steelers and that sense of family. Now I'm not talking about Mike Tomlin. I'm talking about everybody because I'm sure yeah. you, I'm sure you've gotten outreaches from from from. Rooney. I'll say this: I've talked to Kev. I've talked to Dan Rooney, the, the the young son. I've talked to coaches. Still, I've had random coaches give me calling. This is that since you've making. retired. This is yes. since you've retired. When theoretically, I say this with immense respect, theoretically, 
you are no longer of use to them. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're not going out there on Sunday. They don't need – they just want you to stay part of their family. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of, like, if you're still a fan, if you meet somebody in San Diego and Washington and New York, like, you feel like they are a part of your family, too. It's a different feeling. It's a different fan base. And I think it starts because of just going back to, to, to the chief. Like, the stories I've heard about him just walking up and down the north side of Pittsburgh was when it wasn't the most favorable place to live out. When you talk about Dan Rooney and what he's done and even Art, how he's branching out and, and being in the community, it, it really means more. And, and truth be told, one of the most respected coaches in the league, at least amongst the players, uh, to have just called me and just say, man, I just wanted to call in and, and talk to you. Um, when, you know, there's so many other guys that's done probably more as far as hardware for him, that meant a lot, man. And I didn't, it came out of blue. I wasn't expecting it. But it's one of those things, DK, is just like, that's just a cool thing, man. And that's how you, if he's doing it with me and he's building those relationships with everybody else, you see how he can try to get the best out of guys, man. And that's why I ran through walls from. I'm watching that clip that was posted on social media about Najee and the catch he made and his mindset as well. I'm going to just save you for Devin Bush. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he said that. He did. He said, I like matchups. For anybody who didn't see this, this was from minicamp, where he, he basically is telling Najee Harris and Devin Bush, I'm going to line you guys up head-to-head the whole camp because I like that. How many times have we seen that in Latrobe, Bone? He would just take guys, that he, especially running backs. He, he wants to test yeah. the daylights out of running backs. But anyway, he, he – for him to do that is just – it's not surprising to me because I've heard other athletes tell that. It's just – it's really cool to see the impact on you. It was, man. And it actually just – the stuff we talked about as far as our kids and um, just what the league is. And this is one thing I'll divulge, man, that we had a conversation mm-hmm. about. When we talked about uh, – you remember I said Alex Highsmith and then just speaking about Kendrick yeah. Green too. And I was just – the conversation we had is just give you his mindset and, and, and to how – he thinking how the organization thinks. And I said the whole thing about reload and rebuild. And he was like, well, you know, Mo, he's like, football is different these days because we don't have two a days anymore. He's like, so you got to be able to find, he's like the guys that missed out on two a days. It was some guys that probably shouldn't be in the NFL. That's actually made themselves, made their ways to the top because the game ain't the same no more. He was like, so we got to look at the way we evaluate guys. He's like, you got to find guys that are high pedigree football players and he was like what i mean by that and i was like so finding a guy like alex highsmith out of charlotte he was like exactly or javon hargraves i was like exactly you know what i'm saying or mm-hmm. or uh, a kendrick green who made some people might think he's undersized but there's something in his dna that he can play that yeah he you can know what play. i'm saying yeah and that's what they're looking for is like I actually think players. I think Dotson might fit that bill as well, Dotson, Dotson because because Dotson had so many snaps in college. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Where you, I, I see what you're saying with the two a day because the Steelers would just take someone, uh, some clay, and mold it right there in Latrobe. Yeah, and now it's it's just about playing football. It is, and and what he what what we were talking about as far as like the two a days is like football. I guess the officiants would say it's gotten soft. So when you don't have a practice at 7 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock and then you got to go back at 3 o'clock at the hardest part of the day, um, those guys would have found their way out. The Oklahoma drill people, 
that, that no longer exist. Exist. Yeah. So now you got to find guys. It's hard finding guys that actually love the game of football itself. You know, and that's what they have prided themselves on as far as, I mean, uh, Bud is gone. What are we going to do? Well, we got Alex. Pouncey's gone. What are we going to do? Well, we got Kendrick. You see what I'm saying? The dynamic of of how they think in that front office, man, it's, it's, it's really cool. Oh, Moan, could do this all day. I appreciate uh, I appreciate these stories. I appreciate everything that you share, uh, you know, with, with all of us every week here. We'll do another one of these next week, you know, Moan. Yeah. That's just kind of how this works, <laughs> it you know. Is. If you guys like what you're seeing, by the way, make sure you give us a subscription, uh, you know, to our YouTube channel. Make sure you leave a kind word, whatever else. We'll be checking the comments and everything else and, and, and say hello to everyone down there. Uh, Moan, let's do it again next week. Absolutely, DK. I'm all for it.